time. Thank you, Brian. Boy, good looking crew today. Good smiles on your faces. Man, the yawns are having to sit way up here. I like that, you know, and the, <laughs> I like that. You keep filling that back up and make them come this way. I like that. <laughs> Title of the message is Characters of the Cross. Characters of the Cross. Our focal passage today that we will refer to quite often is 1 Corinthians 1.18. Uh, if you want to turn there, 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, For the word of the cross is foolishness for those who are perishing. But for those of us who are saved, it is the power of God. It is the power of God. Today it might be a little bit of a different kind of a message today. But I've asked God to speak today. Characters of the cross. I wonder what that means. We're going to give you four or five characters that were surrounding by the cross, that were there before the cross and there during the cross. And then we're going to speak of one who was truly on the cross. Pontius Pilate was a Roman governor in Jerusalem. He's a man, if you didn't know, he was the one that sentenced Jesus to death, to be beaten and to be crucified. And as you read the scripture about Pontius Pilate, we find that he knew Jesus did not deserve death. He knew that he was not guilty of anything. Matter of fact, he said over and over, what evil has this man done? Three times he addresses the crowd. This man is not guilty. He's done nothing wrong. He does not deserve punishment. Even his wife came to him and said, Have nothing to do with this righteous man. Have nothing to do with this righteous man. But you see, Pilate was not a very strong person. You see, Pilate, as he addressed the crowd... And the crowd began, got bigger and bigger and louder and louder. Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate became scared. He became afraid of what might happen to him. He was afraid of the crowd. He knew if there was another riot in Jerusalem that Rome would come and take him away from his governorship. He knew that and he was afraid. And yet, and yet we find that he was willing to send Jesus to be crucified. He, he, he made one feeble attempt. <laughs> and he went back and he washed his hands and he told the people, I am not responsible for what you do to this man. Not sure that washing of the hands did him any good. He knew the right thing to do and yet he was afraid of what might happen to him. Afraid of the crowd, afraid of the right, afraid for his job. And he just could not put himself to do the right thing. Yes, he's no evil in this man, no wickedness in Jesus. And yet he said, I'll give him to you anyway. You know, we have a large amount of people in our world today just like that. We have a large amount of people that are just Pontius Pilate. You probably never have thought of that, but you really are. And when you, when you think about Christ and what you need to do, and, and, and you don't do the right thing, you don't accept Christ as Lord and Savior, you just keep putting it off. And you put it off because, man, I don't know what my family would say. I don't know what they would say if I became 
of Christians or, or what would I do if my friends had found out that I was a believer? What would they do? I'd probably lose all of them. I wouldn't have any fun anymore. And, and knowing the right thing to do and yet you still do not do it. Pilate gave in to the pressure of the crowd. Many times people today give in to the pressure of the crowd and they think, I know the right thing to do. I know I need to give my heart and life to Christ, but I, I am afraid of what everybody else might say. My peer pressure, I just can't handle it anymore. The truth of the matter is, God loves you. God loved Pilate and Jesus died for Pilate. Did you know that? God loved Pilate and he died for Pilate. And yet Pilate never did, probably never did, accept him. That is the truth of the matter. The reality of that, the reality of Pontius Pilate rejecting Christ, not that he sent him to his death, but the rejection of Christ in his life. The reality of that, and I want you to understand, I'm going to say this with all the love I got. The reality that when he took his last breath here, Pontius Pilate found himself in a place known as Hades and he's there for the last 2,000 years and he's sitting there waiting for his judgment. All because, all because he was worried about what somebody would say in his life. The crowd, the family, the business, whatever. And he just never could come to Christ. You see, 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. The second character on the cross that I want you to look at are the soldiers. The soldiers. Those guys that, that beat Jesus to an inch of his life. Those guys that drew the nails into his hands and his feet. Those soldiers that mocked him. You see, those soldiers knew nothing about Jesus. They could care less about Jesus. This was a man that was in front of them who in their own minds deserved to be punished. You see, in their own minds, he, they were thinking, all I'm doing is just following orders. This is my job. This is my job. I'm part of the execution crew, and we're going to do that, and we're going to do this, and then we're going to go about our business, not even mentioning or thinking, having any thought about Jesus and what he was fixing to do. I suggest to you there's many people like that today also. There's many people in our lives that we know, maybe you, that are just living life. Living life, not thinking about Christ in your life, not even thinking about the things of God, just, just living life. You know, you get up in the morning and, and uh, put your clothes on and go to work and put your eight or ten hours in, come home, Eat, go to bed, the cycle starts again. Day in and day out, the cycle starts again. And they're just living life. That's what it is. That's what I do. Never understanding, never understanding that God has a purpose for you. Never understanding that God wants to be a priority to you. Never understanding that God has a plan for your life. And, and the soldiers never understood that. And many of us in our world today don't understand it, that, that God has a plan for you. And it, there's more to life than just getting up and going and working and coming home and doing it again day after day, month after month, year after year. There's more to life. 
But you got to put Christ into that life. And, and the soldiers couldn't do it. So many people can't do it. And they just live a life that is, that is hopeless. But the good news for those soldiers who, who pounded those nails into his hands and his feet and whipped his back. And some of us in here today, the good news is that God still loved them. And Christ still went to the cross for them. You understand that? He, he shed his blood for those that were shedding his blood. And he still went to cross because he loved them so much. And if those soldiers never did accept Christ as Lord and Savior, never did call upon him for redemption, the, the, the reality of that is that when those soldiers died, they found themselves again in Hades waiting for their terminal, eternal judgment. That is the reality of rejecting. Not that they beat him, not that they put nails into his hand, but the very fact that they were willing to reject Jesus as Lord and Savior is what caused them to be eternally separated from a holy God. I hope that's not you. I hope it is. I pray that's not you. But there's a lot of folks out there, I'm just telling you, that have nothing to do with, with God or Christ in their life. And they're just living their life without purpose, without a plan, without a priority, and with no passion. Third character I want you to talk about, and you've heard of this guy. Barabbas. Oh, Barabbas. That criminal the Bible talks about. That insurrectionist. That, uh, uh, what, what do you call it? Uh, uh, that murderer. That notorious prisoner is what the Bible calls him. Notorious prisoner. Uh, I've never seen that anywhere but there. I mean, he's a bad dude, you know what? This guy is one bad dude. And there he is. He's sitting in sitting in his prison it's thursday and friday is coming he's sitting in prison and he knows within the next few hours that they're going to come and get him and they're going to nail him on a cross he will be executed and he's just waiting the time for them to come and get him and then here comes a guard the guard comes and opens the door and he says barabbas you're free to go huh barabbas you're free to go there's some guy, and I don't know who it is, somebody named the name of Jesus or something, I don't know, has said that he will die in your place, Barabbas. Barabbas, he will take your place on the cross. You will not have to pay for your crimes that you've committed because we got somebody else that's going to do that. Barabbas, you are free to go. I can't imagine the excitement Barabbas had at that point. I imagine when they finally got rid of him, got them chains off of him, he probably ran around all over the place. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. Well, Barabbas, how did, how did that happen? He said, man, I don't know, but there was somebody that died on the cross just for me. Just for me, he died. And as we look at the rest of Barabbas' life, that great event, that freedom that he received was probably short-lived because most likely Barabbas went back to that lifestyle. He went back to his life of crime most likely because you see, people don't change until they get this changed. You understand that? Until this is changed, until God changes you and get, makes you a new creation, you the same person. Barabbas was the same person. Even though this guy died for him, he's the same person. So I, am, I will bet the farm that he continued in that lifestyle. Today, 
every unbeliever in this building and around the world, did you know, is a Barabbas. Is a Barabbas. You might not have killed anybody. You might not have started any kind of riot. But I'm here to tell you, all of us have broken God's law. All of us have sinned. All of us has done things against what God has said not to do. And that's called sin. We've all done it. And every believer has done it. And because of that, the Bible says when we break God's law, we are condemned and we have God's judgment upon us. When we break His law, every unbeliever is living a life that is under condemnation and under the sentence of punishment. The wrath of God is what he, what he says. And we see people today that know, they just know that somebody died for them. I mean, they heard it in Sunday school class when they were four or five years old. They know that somebody had, has sacrificed their life on a cross, cross just for you because I've heard it in the Bible stories and, and maybe I've heard it on the news or some preacher has told me that. And I know somebody has died for me, but yet it makes no difference to me. No, has no impact on my life. Yeah, he died for me, but I'm just going to go do my thing. I'm going to live my life and thank you for doing that, but I didn't have any, any kind of an uh, impact on the way I live. Didn't have any impact on Barabbas. And I'm here to tell you that it doesn't have any impact on a lot of people. Maybe some of you in here. Yeah, he died. Thank you. But it doesn't impact my life. It doesn't change my life. It doesn't make any difference. I, I get to do my thing however I want to. I get a, Barabbas got a second chance. I'm, getting, I'm living on my second chance. And did you know, the truth is that God loves Barabbas. And the truth is, Jesus died on a cross for Barabbas. Wanting Barabbas to change. Wanting Barabbas to take him as Lord and Savior. He willingly shed his blood on a cross for Barabbas. And yet, most likely, Barabbas never returned the favor, never accepted him as Lord and Savior. And if that's the case, if that's the case, Barabbas, when he found himself in Hades, awaiting for his eternal judgment. He's been there over 2,000 years. You see, the word of the cross is foolishness for those who are perishing. Barabbas just didn't get it. Can you relate to Barabbas? I've got some better news here in a minute. There was a fourth guy at the cross. There was two criminals, one on each side of Jesus. The first criminal, angry, defiant, hostile, yelling at Jesus. If you're the son of God, come get off that cross and get me down with you, is what he's saying. And he's making fun of, of him and he's, and he's criticizing Christ as he's, they're all in the same predicament. And they're mocking and saying things and just ridiculing Jesus as he's there, angry and hostile and violent who he is and he'll die a violent death he'll die an angry death I'm here to tell you today there's a lot of folks like that today did you know that who are angry and are bitter and are defiant who maybe they don't physically shake their fist at God but they're mad at God 
They're mad at Jesus because of something has happened. And the pains of life, maybe they've lost a loved one. And they just can't seem to get over the fact. And they become angry at God. Maybe they've lost a job. Maybe, maybe some disease has attacked their body. And it causes them to be angry. Where are you, God? God, come on, do something, God. And they live a life of bitterness. Maybe, maybe life has just been hard for people. Maybe just the pains of living are hard for people. And they live a life of, of, of bitterness. And you've seen people like this. People that are defiant, that don't care about God and don't want to know anything about God. And they live their life in such a state and they, they end up dying in such a bitter, bitter state, an angry state against, against God. And just like that second criminal who was hanging on the cross who also died a bitter, angry death. The good news is that God still loved him. Did you know that? The guy that was there making fun of him, God still loved him. And Jesus was still dying for that guy as the guy was spewing profanities at Jesus. You see, he still loves those who are against him. God still loves those who are against him. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of the cross is foolishness for those who are perishing. There was another guy on the other side of Jesus. The other criminal. The other bad dude. As he's hanging there in the same position that Jesus is in and as this guy is yelling profanities and yelling at Jesus and making fun of him, this guy in probably a very soft voice says in, in today's language, dude, what are you doing? We deserve this. We deserve the nails. This man does not deserve the nails. He is innocent. There is something about him. Don't you get it, dude? We get it. We're supposed to do this. But this man should not be hanging on this cross. What happened to that guy? What's the difference between him and him? There was something as he's hanging on that cross. There was something different about the way Jesus was dying. I can tell you that. Something different. There was either a glow about him or the way he spoke or when he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That must have touched a chord in here. And he said, man, this guy does not deserve what he's getting. And after a few moments, he turns his head towards Jesus. And he says, calls him by name. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There's been no better words of faith ever spoken than that. And I believe Jesus picked up his head and looked at him and said, truly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. 
the man has been saved for eternity. You see, this man had nothing to offer Jesus. You understand that? I mean, he's nailed on a cross. He has nothing to offer. He hadn't been to church in years if he'd ever been. He hadn't been to Sunday school. He hadn't been to Bible study. He hadn't given an offering. As a matter of fact, he probably stole from the offering plate if he was in church. A bad dude. Well, how about his good works? He had no good works. He couldn't offer his goodness or his good works to Christ because he didn't have any. He lived a life of crime. He had nothing to give to Jesus. His works wouldn't get him to heaven. His goodness wouldn't get him to heaven. The money he had wouldn't get him to heaven. He wasn't dressed right. I mean, he's naked and he's bleeding. I'm I'm going to ask you, please don't come to church like that, okay? (laughs) I mean, that's... (laughs) That ain't pretty visual right there. But you know what I'm saying. He's got nothing to offer Jesus. But all he does, he speaks in faith. And Jesus said, yeah, today... You're going to be with me in paradise. Hallelujah. Christ can save the worst offender. I got to thinking about that. How, what caused him to be so much different than this old guy right there who's yelling profanity to Christ and making fun of him, mocking him? What, what's the, what was the, the difference between her? And I don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but I'm going to speculate, and I'm going to tell you I'm speculating. I cannot help but think. That this guy over here, who Christ saved while he was on the cross, I just honestly believe, with all my heart, he had a praying mother and a praying grandmother and a praying dad and a praying granddad who had been praying for him from the beginning of time and had been praying for his salvation all that time. And year after year after year went by and nothing But I just can't help but think mom and dad, gramps and grandma were praying for that boy as he hung on that cross. Because something changed him. Something changed his heart. And I suggest to you, it is the prayer of a loving parent that would have changed him at that point. Mom, dad, gramps, grandpa, don't ever give up praying for your wayward child. Don't ever give up for praying for that wayward child. I even suggest maybe that maybe when he was a baby, maybe they took him to church. Maybe they took him to Sunday school. Maybe they took him to VBS, preteen camp, maybe even Falls Creek. He had heard somewhere about a Messiah that was going to come. And now here he is face to face with the Messiah. And because of a loving parents, what happens to him? He is now in heaven for the last 2,000 years. Do you understand that? He is alive and well, kicking it good in heaven, even as we speak, for over 2,000 years. I don't know about you, but that is super pretty good news. You betcha. The second part of 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You see, you can never be too bad for, for, for Christ not to want to save you. You can't have a bad enough record that Christ doesn't want to save you. You can't be awful enough that Christ doesn't want to save you. I mean, if he can save a a brutal prisoner who's dying on the cross and he can save him, he can save you and he can save me. I promise you. 
His grace is pretty big. There's always room at the table of grace for one more. And that one more very easily could be you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for that. One other character I want to mention who was on the cross. His name is Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the Prince of peace. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the great I am. He is the light of the word. He is the bread of life. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the way, the truth, and the life. That's who is hanging on that middle cross just for you. And he didn't go kicking and screaming. He went willingly to that cross to be nailed there in order to provide salvation for you and I. Why would he ever do that? Why would he go through and take that punishment, that beating, the crown, the nails, the spear? Why would he do that? Because he loves you and me. He did it in love. You see, Jesus does not want to live in heaven by himself. Did you know this? He wants you to be there. He wants to have fellowship with you in heaven for eternity. Why did he go to the cross? Because he loves you and he wants to have fellowship and relationship with you for eternity times eternity. He wanted you to understand what it meant to be forgiven and to cleanse from all unrighteousness. He wanted you to know that. Man, isn't it great when you have been forgiven by somebody and you don't even deserve it? That's what Jesus did. He said, I want you to understand forgiveness. I want you to understand that you've been clean, you've been washed clean because you have accepted me as Lord and Savior. Oh, my goodness, why would he do that? And because he did that. Because he has prepared for us a home in heaven, which, which no eye can ever see right now, no ear can hear, no heart can imagine what God has prepared for you and I. The absolute beauty of what he's prepared for us. And can you imagine the God of the universe, the God who created the, the stars, who is out there, way out there, and he's really right here at the same time? I can't explain it, figure it out, but he is. He wants to have fellowship with you today and forever. I mean, the Bible says we will be in the presence of holy God when we get to heaven. That's pretty cool, if you ask me. The God who created all of that And the son who died on a cross so that I would have an opportunity to get there says, man, look what I've done for you. I got you a mansion. Look at my heaven. You can't even imagine what I've done for you until you get there. Thank you, Jesus. Because because of that, because of what Christ did on the cross for us, I want you to understand that that's not the final That's not the final say in this. Because we know three days later, 
He came off that cross and they buried him. And three days later, he rose from the grave. He rose from that grave. Matter of fact, that tomb is empty. We serve a risen Savior. And because we have accepted the risen Savior as Lord and Savior of our life, you know what happens? We get to be righteous with God. We get to be right with God. You see, when Christ died on the cross, when he died on the cross, he took my sin and he took it upon himself. And he said, Don, I'm going to take that from you and I'm going to give you my righteousness. I'm going to get, I'm going to make you right with the father. That's what he did. We have the right to be with, with God and his righteousness. The second thing we get as we serve the risen savior, we are justified. We are justified. That word justified means as if I have never sinned, as if I never sinned. All that life of sin before I was saved. And all the times I sin now, I don't want to, but I do. And all the times I sin in the future, I don't want to, but I do. The Bible says, I'm going to take all those sins, folks, and take them as far as the east is from the west. Never to be accounted for again. We are justified as if we had never sinned. And the third thing that he gives us, oh my goodness, he gives us eternal hope. Eternal hope. You see, when, when Christ rose from the dead... He conquered death, did he not? And for the Christian, he eliminated the sting of death for the Christian. And he's given us eternal hope for now and eternal hope forever and forever because he is no longer in that grave. He is alive and well, sitting at the right hand of the Father. I don't know about you, but that is really, really good news. And when you talk about hope, you talk about hope, hope is not... Well, maybe, man, I, I hope I can get there. I, I don't know. Hope is the assurance that God will do exactly what he said he would do. That is hope. He will do exactly what he said he'd do. When he said, Don, when you die and you've accepted my son as Lord and Savior, absent from the body, present with the Lord. I'm going to be there. That's not just hoping maybe. That is a fact that I trust and I have faith, but God will be honoring his promise that he's given to me aren't you glad we can be right with God we can be justified with God we can have eternal hope we have eternal hope now even as we speak eternal hope forever and forever because of the empty tomb and we've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior who would not want that in their life who would not want that this free gift that he gives us he said here it is all you got to do Accept me as Lord and Savior. That's all you got to do. He said, I've done all the rest. I did it. I paid the price. I paid your sin debt on the cross. You got to do nothing. But I want you to do is accept me. That's all the second criminal did, didn't he? Act of faith. Father, Jesus, just remember me. You see, Romans 10, 13. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what that guy did, the second criminal. Called upon the name of the Lord. And he was saved. And he is living the high life in heaven for the last 2,000 years. Are you a pilot? Afraid of what people will say? What people might do? And that's keeping you from coming to Christ? Are you one of the soldiers that you just live in life? 
really no mention of God in your life, no mention of Christ in your life. You just you're putting in your time day after day. And and no thought of no thought of Christ. Are you a Barabbas? Who you know Jesus died for you. If he didn't know it, you know it from today. <laughs> Are you a Barabbas? That knowing that Christ died for you and yet it makes no impact in your life? How sad is that? He gave it all so that you could have it all. Oh, my goodness. Or you know people, maybe you're like this, the second criminal. He said, man, I'm angry at you, God. Don't want to mess with you, God. God, get out of my life. I'm just going to reject everything about that. And you're living a bitter life, an angry life. A life that is rejecting Christ. I would not want anybody to die in that situation. I want everyone to be like that other criminal when he understood his fate and he understood what he had done in his life he understood that he came short of God's glory through his lifestyle and his sin gave his heart and life to Christ man if you're a if, if you're a Barabbas if you're a pilot if you're a soldier if you're that first criminal I got good news for you and I've told you this already God loves you and Jesus died for you you can't be bad enough not to why would anybody want to live the rest of their lives like one of those people? Knowing that, that if they never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, that their eternity is fixed forever and forever. Separated from holy God. Separated from the riches of His glory. Separated from the very presence of God. Into a life of darkness and loneliness. And pain and suffering. I'm here to tell you today. The good news of the empty tomb is that Jesus is alive and well. That death could not keep him down. The tomb could not hold him. Today he sits at the right hand of the Father, the Bible says, making intercession for you. If you've never been given your heart and life to Christ, I think today would be a good time on this Easter Sunday. You, you've heard the gospel you know the consequences of the decisions that we make. I would urge you, man, come and get Christ today. Let him change your heart. Let him give you a new plan, a new purpose, a new passion, and a new priority. Let him change you from the inside out. He's good at that. And he wants you to do that today. As we bow our heads and close our eyes. As the piano plays, there's the invitation. If you need Christ, if you've never accepted him as Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. Don't walk away from this building not having accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because you might not ever have another time like this. You might not ever have conviction like this. Don't be a pilot who just gives in and scared of what people will say. I can tell you, you come to Christ today, this church will love on you. This church will support you. We'll be behind you a thousand percent. Come, if that's who you are. Come, as the piano plays. Christians, be praying, please.